To be honest, I don't even think I get handed a brief all that often. Like, mostly I'm having to put the brief together myself. Uh, clients and, you know, people I work with don't just hand over all the information that you want to know, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, that you have to really, like, tease it out and pull it out of them and work out exactly what you need to do. And so often I feel like I'm the one putting the brief together. Welcome to Design Life, a show about design and side projects for motivated creatives. My name is Charlie. And I'm Femke. And today we're going to talk about design process. So we like to mix it up a bit on the podcast. Some weeks we talk about design, other weeks we talk about side projects. But we thought uh, it was due for a more design-focused episode. We had quite a lot of feedback asking for some kind of episode on our process and how we sort of work through our design process or in our creative process when working on client work or other briefs. So we thought it would be a good time to talk about that. Uh, but first is the weekly check-in. Charlie, I know it's a busy week for you because you're going away soon. Yes, I am. I head away on Friday for a week of, uh, well, first off, some just a holiday, visiting Mark's parents in Spain. And then secondly, I'm coming to visit you, which I'm really excited Yay. about. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff to get done before the travel. So I've just been... Yeah, working hard, having some early mornings because I know that soon I'm going to be able to relax a bit more. How about you? How's your week been? Yeah, it's been good actually. Like I feel like I say that every week. I must just be a overly happy person because my it's weeks, good to have good weeks. <laughs> yeah, my weeks are usually pretty good. I have decided that I'm going to restructure the apartment blog a little bit. Oh, really? So at the moment, it's kind of just like one blog with sort of everything on there. And I'm going to start categorizing things a little bit more. So I'm going to have a category about design, freelancing, marketing, business, and I think there's a couple others as well. So I'm going to sort of start structuring it a little bit more and I guess positioning it more as like a, a resource for those types of people to come and learn a bit more about those categories rather than it just being like a blog that's sort of all meshed into one. So been doing a bit of strategy around that and uh, yeah, repositioning. Yeah, that makes sense. I would think of your blog more as like a collection of articles than yeah. a blog. If that makes sense. It probably doesn't because I think a blog is a collection of articles, but yeah. you know what well, I mean. That's funny that you say that because I actually renamed it to articles the other week. Ah, so there you go. It, it used to say blog in the uh, navigation bar, but now it says articles. And I'm kind of interested to see, yeah, what, what result or I guess what effect that has on whether people navigate there more. Like, does it sound a bit more... You know, does it have a bit more credibility because it says articles instead of blog? Like, you know, I guess it kind of has a different connotation, but it's still the same thing essentially. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. Cool. Yeah. Good decision, I think. And it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting see how it affects your stats and stuff. So today's topic of design process I know, Charlie, that you don't work on client projects as much as I do. So, I mean, I'm interested to know, I guess, is your design process different when you're at work, so when you have a brief in your day job, to when you work with clients? Definitely. That's a really good question, actually. 
I think with working with clients, there's a lot more in the beginning stages before you start the actual design. In my experience anyway, there's been a lot more like getting to know the client and their business, working out exactly what they want and refining the brief and things before you actually get started on the design process. Whereas at my day job, uh, I'm an in-house designer, so I know the brand very well. In fact, I was one of the people who created the brand. So there's less of that getting familiar because I am so familiar with it already. Yeah, that totally makes sense, especially as you are an in-house designer, right? So yeah. you're very familiar with the brand of Edited and I guess you don't need to do all that kind of preliminary research of trying to understand or uncover the values of a brand like you would with a client project. Yeah, there's definitely still um, a lot you have to go through with refining the brief though because because everything is in-house and we've got a small team and everything's quite casual, but I still want to make sure that I have a clear handle on exactly what's expected and what we want to achieve with the design. So there is that still, which definitely comes in in client work as well. So when you do get a brief from a client... What's sort of one of the first things you do? Where, where do you start? It can be quite scary to start when you've got this huge brief that just gets handed to you. So, yeah, what, what do you do? To be honest, I don't even think I get handed a brief all that often. Like, mostly I'm having to put the brief together myself. Uh, clients and, you know, people I work with don't just hand over all the information that you want to know. And I'm sure you've experienced this as well that you have to really like tease it out and pull it out of them and work out exactly what you need to do. And so often I feel like I'm the one putting the brief together and then getting it approved. So doing reverse briefs, I think, is the term there. Do you find that too? Yeah, I don't think I've actually been in a client situation where I haven't had to do that. Like I've always had to either like ask more questions to find out more uh, and I usually end up creating a proposal which I guess I don't know is that the same thing as a reverse brief maybe it yeah, is I think so. Um, so that always like to get to that proposal of course I ask the client a lot of questions and try and uncover things about their brand or their company or what their goals are their values etc and then obviously specific questions about the actual project itself and then I form a proposal out of that and like the same I you know go and get it approved. The majority of the I guess requests that I do get from clients are how much would this cost? Mm. Uh, like it's not usually that they hand me a brief they're just like hey I want this 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 like very very briefly that's ironic that I use that word. Uh, <laughs> very briefly, you know, state what they what they want and then ask for a quote. Uh, but for me, that's really hard because there's a lot of things that come into a quote. So just knowing like the three things that they want isn't really enough information for me to deliver a quote that I feel would be an accurate representation or a fair representation of the work involved. So that's why I then go into the whole like creating a proposal and doing a bit of back and forth with them. Uh, I have a couple sort of questionnaires that they answer that sort of helps me understand them more, who they are. So that, that comes into play as well and is super helpful. I think that it sounds like we should do a future episode all about uh, the, those initial stages with clients because I think you have a lot to share and a lot I could learn from you as well because I haven't done as much client work as you. Should we do that later on? Yeah, that sounds really good. Uh, if people listening, if you would like to hear a bit more about sort of my client onboarding process and sort of, I guess, uncovering 
enough information or the values to create a reverse brief or create a proposal, then let us know on Twitter at DesignLifeFM and we'll do a future episode on it. Sounds good. I would like to hear from about your process itself. So once you do uh, get started and you've got the proposal accepted, what happens next? <laughs> I was thinking about this before we started recording and I sort of realized that, and this might sound really terrible, but I don't really have a strict process that I follow. I feel like I'm a bit more spontaneous. Like every every brief or I guess every project that I get from a client is quite different. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm not like uh, like a brand designer. Like I don't create a logo for every client, for example. Uh, it's It's not like I can apply the same process to each project I guess is what I'm trying to get at um so it's always different and I just kind of go with what feels right for that particular project what about for let's just focus on web design for example because I think that's what you'd mainly do right it seems like it from your portfolio anyway for web design do you have a similar process that you always follow with web designs there are certain things that I will always repeatedly do in each project so like research brainstorm etc I just don't know if they always happen in the same order which probably sounds a bit weird but I don't think that's weird what I do always try and do so like once I've got the proposal accepted the, the you know the contract's been signed it's over to me to get started the first thing I try and do is just like get down all of my sort of preconceived ideas before I do anything, so before I do any research, before I do like inspiration searching, etc., like I'll just kind of give myself the opportunity to come up with ideas completely on my own. And I find that's a good way to like get those out and not have to rely on other visual bits of inspiration. So let's try and put this into an example, it's probably easier to understand. So if I have to design a landing page, for example, I don't then go on Dribble or Design Inspiration or whatever and start searching landing pages because I don't want the images that I see on there to tamper with any potential ideas that I already have, but maybe I don't know that I have them yet. So instead, I'll just get a big piece of paper and like just, you know, search inside, I guess you could say, and think like okay, what ideas do I have that, you know, maybe could turn into something without being influenced by anything else? And so I could come up with some really terrible ideas at that phase. I could come up with some really great ideas, but it's just a way for me to really get my own ideas out there first. And then I kind of do the inspiration searching after that, which probably sounds interesting to some people. I think I'd say that's similar to how I work as well. And the reason I think this works is because you're the one who spent all the time going over the proposal and getting your head around the brief, right? And understanding what the client or the project, whatever you're working on, needs. Yeah. So you can then sit down and think about, okay, how do I arrange this information in the way that's going to make sense for the user of this particular site that I'm designing and think about it from their perspective. And then when you go look at inspiration, you've always got that sort of structure, you know, loose order that things will be presented in at least as a base. So there may be some little design elements that you see on other people's sites that you can take inspiration from and work into your own because they can help strengthen 
the message and get the ideas across. But the important thing is that you've started by working out the right way that things should be presented for this specific brief. So you're not being influenced by the structure of other things that maybe don't have the same target audience as you do. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really good way of working. Yeah, I think that's something that we often get caught up in is seeing something that we really like and wanting to use that for our project. And while while it might be a really nice design element and maybe you could use it and it might work, you know, it, it isn't necessarily always going to because each brief is different. And wherever you found that piece of inspiration from, you know, they had a very different brief from what you have and probably very different goals as well for what they're trying to achieve with the design. So, you know, just picking up those design elements and chucking them in your own design isn't necessarily always going to work. However, I do think it's good to explore those. Yeah, definitely. Makes sense. Uh, Do you ever have the client coming to you with pieces of design or perhaps another site they've seen and going, I want a site like this? Yeah, I do. Not often. Uh, Often I will actually ask them to provide that. So part of sort of, I guess, my like uncovering the brief uh, questionnaire sort of phase is finding out like what, what bits of design they've seen that they really like or pieces of inspiration for them. So that kind of helps me get a like visual vision uh, as to what they're kind of looking for like you never know they might have a very specific style that they're that they're in need of or I don't know something else super specific and the only way to really know that that's what they want is for them to communicate that with you and I find the best way for them to do that is to send through like visual references or visual inspiration that they've seen that they would like to be considered in their design. Yeah, I often am sent links by our co-founders, for example, of sites that they like the look of. And the important thing to do when you get stuff like that is to work out exactly what they like about it. Because the thing that stands out to you most in that site might be, you know, totally different to the thing that they like in particular. Yeah, I think that's definitely important. And I think also my recommendation would be to anyone freelancing who doesn't ask their client for visual inspiration or or maybe the client doesn't give it I encourage you to ask for it because you don't want to get in the situation where you design something uh, without any sort of visual representation from the client and then it's like a completely different style than what they were looking for so I I don't know you want to watch out for that kind of stuff like one of my friends here she uh, the, the client sent through like a visual like some visual inspiration for the project and it was just completely not her style. Like it was, I mean, it was probably applicable for the project, but it was just not in a style that she was familiar with or that she liked to work with. So, you know, she she declined the project. So I think, you know, don't underestimate uh, the visual the visual inspiration from the client because it could be something that's either way out of your league or something that's just not your own personal style. Yeah, it's a good way to make sure you're on the same page, right? Yeah, definitely. So once you have the visual inspiration down and you've got your own ideas down, how does the rest of the process go? That's when the uh, exciting stuff starts, I guess. (laughs) I mean, that's when I... So by this stage, I've got my inspiration and kind of an idea of the sort of visual style and direction I want to go in. 
And then I kind of start wireframing. So as a web designer, wireframing is sort of creating a skeleton, I guess, of the the design of the page and sort of figuring out what elements need to be there and potential placement for them to go. And usually wireframing is uh, like, you know, grey boxes or dummy text, like you don't need to get into all the styles yet. Actually, Charlie, don't you have a, a tutorial on wireframing maybe? Yes, I do. I always do my wireframing by hand first and I've got this technique that I learned off a colleague called uh, that he called anyway crazy eights where you fold a piece of a3 paper into eight like sections and then as quick as you can you just draw down eight completely different versions of the site like different ways of arranging the information and it's a way of like getting all your ideas out and breaking through the barrier and forcing yourself to come up with ideas that weren't the first thing you thought so I always do that by hand first as the first stage of the design process and then move on to putting the, them on the computer with the grey boxes and dummy text for the ones that I like the, you know, direction of most. So there'll be a link to that video in the show notes if anyone wants to watch it. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I had actually, I learnt from that video because I'd never seen that technique before and it's something that I have been using and I think it's a super cool way to just, I think, challenge yourself to think of different ways that it could be done. I find that often when I'm wireframing, I always like gravitate toward one, usually the first one that I draw and I'm like, oh yeah, like this is really good. And it's kind of when you start getting to like the fourth one that it gets harder, right? Like you have to think of different ways to achieve the same thing. So I think it's a really great way to force or encourage yourself to, you know, push beyond your comfortable boundaries, I guess, and consider different ways that things could be laid out yeah it stops yourself from you know getting too attached to one particular layout in the first initial stages when you really need to still be exploring so do you show the wireframes to the the client or or the manager at your work I don't show the hand-drawn ones because if you watch that video, you'll see that I'm not very good at drawing and that it don't make sense to anyone but me. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. uh, But I do, when I work out the structure that I think is going to be best after playing around on the computer for a bit, or perhaps sometimes I will present a couple of different options just to, if I'm not sure that there's one particular way that stands out to get a sense of what they think fits the brief best. So I will show the like digitized wireframes, I'm going to call them, to, to my managers. We'll have a meeting and discuss that everyone is happy with the structure of the page, what's even on the page. You know, have I allowed space for everything that we need to be said before I move on to the next design phase where it gets harder to just like, you know, pick up a section and shuffle it around because you've designed it specifically to go underneath this one with the colors and everything, so... Yeah, getting the content sorted in the wireframing stage is important for me. And so once you've kind of decided on a wireframe that works well, do you create like multiple versions of that wireframe, I guess? Or do you kind of just stick with like, here's one concept? Uh, I will, well, it's technically one concept, but I'll do, gosh, I didn't even know, like dozens of like visual designs with Mm -hmm. it because... I think adding the visual layer to it is different from the structure. It's like it's not as simple as simple as just like picking what colors things are going to be. Yeah, right. Because when you start adding that high fidelity visual design to it, 
sometimes you work out that, hmm, okay, well, if this is hair, then technically it looks too heavy to have this hair in the right textile, you know, so then you want to make a change in some way. So I do many different versions, and sometimes I actually end up straying from the wireframe if that's where the visuals take me, but generally the wireframe stays pretty accurate to the end. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that does, that does. I think that's a sensible way to do it. I think, you know, if you were going to take multiple of those wireframes and explore them visually, like, that's that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. I think it's smart to, like, choose one that, one or two, I guess, that are really strong and then from there create, like, different visual concepts that, you know, align with that initial wireframe. What often ends up happening in that meeting where we discuss the wireframes is that we'll take bits and pieces from both. So like perhaps they'll like the header section on this one best, but maybe the middle section on the other one mm-hmm. actually works better. So then when I put them together with the visuals, I'm working out ways that they can fuse together seamlessly. And because everything in the wireframe stage is just gray boxes, it's really easy to just pick things up and move them around. So as an in-house designer then, when you have to work on, I mean, for example, a new page for the marketing site, is that is that somewhat easy to do because you sort of follow the, the wireframe structure of the existing marketing site or do you kind of start from scratch and do something different or how does that process work? It's definitely always different because we tend to tackle the marketing site in sections. So like the homepage is going to have different needs from... Uh, the product section, for example. Right. So you definitely start from scratch and think about what information needs to go on there. There's definitely visual things that stay the same across the whole site. So like we've got a pattern library of all our text fonts and sizes and the colors and the way we style buttons that like you don't have to rethink that each time, which is the point of having a pattern library. But uh, things like in the product section, for example, we've got individual pages about each uh, feature or benefit So they follow the same sort of structure. They're like a template, I suppose. But for the rest of the site, like each section we tackle on its own and as its own thing and try not to be too influenced by the other sections because you want it to work best for the type of information that you're displaying on that page and think about what the user wants to see on this page in particular. So at what points in the whole process do you share your work? Like, are you giving like daily updates or like once a week or at what point in the whole process do you share it? That's a really good question. I share it, like I said, in the wireframing stage. So once I've got a digitized wireframe that I'm happy with and we meet to, you know, check the direction of the content and check everyone's happy with that. And then the next time I'll show them something is, well, basically when I want feedback So perhaps I've explored a couple of different options visually and it's time to get some feedback on it and see which direction they want to go in and we'll uh, meet and discuss that. Or perhaps I'm like, well, I don't know. I know we just decided on this, but I've also done this, which I think is better. Like, what do you think? And yeah, get feedback in that way. But it's quite far down the track. Like I definitely don't give daily progress updates. It's I share when it's at a stage that... I'm happy with it and I want to see what they think. Yeah, that's that's really smart. That makes sense. I mean, if you were showing it every day, I think, I mean, I assume that some days there would only be tiny tweaks that, you know, probably aren't worth sharing or at least not yet. So that makes sense to only share it when you're ready for feedback. 
I think it's it's not so much that it will be only tiny tweaks. It's just that I already know the issues with it, you know, so I don't want feedback right now because it's just a waste of everybody's time because I know what the problems are and I want a chance to solve them myself first before I, I guess, waste someone else's time in making them point the same things out again. It's just not a good use of anyone's time. Yeah, I think it's always easy to forget that, like, while you may know that this thing here is a placeholder, for example, the client may not realize that and think that yep. you're actually proposing that that thing should be there. Do you know what I mean? Yes, definitely. I've had that before. <laughs> yeah, so it's easy to forget that, you know, that we know that things are placeholders and we're just trying to demonstrate what it could look like if it had this type of content in there, for example. But the client always doesn't know that. So you always really have to communicate those, even those small things like that. Otherwise they might freak out. <laughs> Definitely. That's super important. How about you? How often do you share uh, your work with clients? Like what stage do you get it to? I imagine this is with my client projects. I definitely make sure I get it to a much more final state than I do with the what I work on at my day job because things can be more open as an in-house designer you know you're sort of like part of the client as well as the designer because you work for the company and you obviously wanted to succeed and you know it really well so we can sort of have more open discussions than I think I do with clients because I want my work to be in a much more like finished and impressive state when I show them does that make sense yeah that makes sense it depends on the time frame. So I've had a few projects that have had quite a quick turnaround. And so I haven't shared as in-depth or as detailed or as often as I have with projects that take a longer amount of time. And that's purely just because of the rush factor and that like we don't always have time to talk about everything and so they kind of just trust me to come up with a, a good solution and, and I mean so far that's worked well. In the past I have shared wireframes and I've also haven't shared wireframes and waited until I had a visual design and I would love to share the wireframes but sometimes I this is probably just a like this is probably not true but it's how I feel anyway is that I'm afraid that showing the client a wireframe that they won't get it. Like, I think for them to best understand the concept that I'm trying to get across or trying to communicate is to show it visually. And that's purely because they're not a designer. Like, they probably have never really seen a wireframe before. And so me showing them a page with grey boxes, while it means a lot to me, I'm always afraid that they might not get it. And so there have been projects where I haven't shared the wireframe you know, obviously I've still gone through that wireframing process, but I haven't shared until I had something visual to show. Yeah. But I I think I'm wrong. Like I think I need to actually make sharing the wireframe a part of my process and always do that. And maybe maybe I just need to get better at communicating like what a wireframe is, what the purpose of it is, what kind of things that they should, you know, be thinking about or looking out for when they're critiquing the wireframe. And I think just getting better at that part of the process and communicating that with the client. I think so too. Have you found that when you don't share a wireframe, are there more changes that are required with the, you know, the visual stage? Not, well, so far, surprisingly, not really in terms of like the layout. I mean, obviously there's been change, like visual changes, like 
you know, that kind of stuff. But in terms of like the layout of the site that I've come up with, no, which is kind of surprising. Uh, but that, I mean, I, I still don't think that that's a good enough reason to not show it to them. I, I do think it's really important. And I think I just need to get over my fear of them not getting it and just you know, to get over that fear is I just need to be better at communicating what the purpose of a wireframe is. Yeah, definitely. And give them a list of instructions too and like questions to answer maybe. So like um, this is what I did when I started my new job because uh, at my old one, we had a very defined process, you know, and everyone, I was used to working with people who knew what a wireframe was and knew how I worked and what my process was. Uh, But when I started my new job, I definitely made the effort to spell that out again because you can't assume, you know, what, what people know and um, how they how they perceive things. So I sort of explained that, right, I'm going to share this wireframe. Don't worry about the spacing or the visuals or anything like that. This is just like a plane. Think of it like, you know, the skeleton of our website. And I just want to check that. Are you happy with the content? Have I allowed enough space for anything? Is there anything that you think I should add? Sort of like speak now, forever hold your peace. <laughs> and... All those sort of things like about make it clear that it's about the structure of the elements and the order that they're displayed in rather than, oh, I think this button might be better if it was a circle, you know? Yeah, that's good advice. I need to get better at it and I think just get over my fear of, yeah, the client not getting it and then, you know, then feeling like I didn't do a good job. So it's definitely a part of my process that I need to improve and make a bit more transparent, I think. I know what you mean with this, though, because the reason why I say that I make sure client work is in a much, much more final stage than I feel like I can share with my you know, co-founders and things at work is that I worry that the client, like even if I say, I don't know, it just feels unprofessional to be like, it's not quite finished yet. I know there's still some errors, but what do you think? You know, yeah, I want to be able to show a client and be like, this is what I've done with your design. Do you notice any errors with it or any changes? If not, cool, we're done. I wish it was that easy. (laughs) Yeah, it never is though, is it? No. But I want to present it as if I've taken it as far as I can and so now it's time for their feedback rather than when I'm at work I can be like, "Mm, what do you think? Like I'm not sure if this thing or this thing is better for our customer and, you know, we can have an actual discussion about it, which which I quite like about being an in-house designer. I think something that ties into this is revisions and number of revisions because often when I share, you know, when I share something with the client, that's kind of opening up a potential discussion or a potential revision session as well because, yes, you know, that's point. an opportunity for them to give some constructive critique and, you know, for me to then make tweaks and changes and, you know, that counts as a revision. So, I definitely agree and feel the same thing that when I am going to share the visual design with the client, it's like, here is the design and here's your opportunity for revision. It's not like, oh, here's the design. I'm at like 50%, you know, uh, just want to get your thoughts on the direction. You know, I don't really do that because then, I don't know, it, it kind of blurs the lines there because it's like, well, then the feedback that they give you from that 50%, is that counted as a revision or like is that just you know it's it's all it all adds up to more time so you kind of have to be a little bit more strict I think which is why I kind of wait until I've got like what I what I you know consider to be a sort of finished version of the design and then that's when I send it to them and the sort of critique stage starts 
but it's important to highlight that as sort of like a critique stage and not like a do you like this yes no if the answer is no then I'll start from scratch again like it doesn't work that way yeah exactly you know uh so I don't know that's probably a bit different to how it works in-house this actually brings up a question that we were asked by one of our listeners Vishnu asked would love to know your estimation process for pricing and how many iterations of a design you permit for a client so I think that uh, estimation process and pricing could be another whole episode on its own don't you think oh my god yes (laughs) I definitely think so (laughs) but perhaps I don't know do you have a rule of like how many revisions you offer to clients So that's something that I've been playing with and trying to see what works best for both me and the client. I have had scenarios where I've offered like, okay, two revisions are included, for example. But my my sort of communication process, I guess, with the client is so open and collaborative and back and forth that it's like, so if the client sends me an email saying, uh, you know, can we update A to B? is that counted as a revision? Like even if it's just a tiny, like about one element in the design sort of thing, you know, so the lines can get blurred really fast as to like where one revision starts and that revision session ends. So I'm still trying to figure out the best way to do that. And it's also really hard because you want to kind of set a limit because, you know, you don't want to be doing this project for the rest of your life, but you also want to get to the best possible design solution. Mm. And so trying to estimate how many revision sessions it will need in order for it to get there to that position is really difficult to estimate in the beginning. Definitely. I think with the revisions, I would consider it a revision if you've handed over a finished design, like, you know, as finished as you think. So perhaps there's been some back and forth along the way and stuff that you've included, you know, as you've gone along. But when you show them a finished piece and say, right, now is revision time, like, look at this carefully and send me a list of all your feedback, I would consider that a revision. Like, you don't want to be updating one tiny thing and being like, okay, here's a new finished thing, and then being like, oh, actually, can you change this as well? Okay, here's a new finished thing, and so on. Yeah, exactly. So I I think it's about encouraging the client to group their feedback and to take a good, long, hard look at it and send everything in one lump. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I do try to encourage it to be done that way. Uh, but I find that the like the further along I am in the process, slash the closer I am to the finished piece, uh, the more that sort of feedback gets fragmented. So I'll be, you know, sending them version five or whatever. And, you know, by that stage, it's really close, but there's still like a few little things that might need changing. And so that if you kind of get what I'm getting at there, it's like the closer I get to the end, like the communication increases, it's more frequent and the requests kind of like get smaller, but there's still a lot of them coming in for small changes to be done. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> no, I don't think you're doing it wrong. I think you just need to encourage like uh, uh, to be a bit more formal because obviously you're a very friendly person and so the clients are going to feel like they can just chat to you whenever because you're obviously so lovely to work with and I'll they start. feel like they can be totally open with you. But I think you should encourage them to like send a formal, like here is a list of all the changes that I've seen in this particular one design you've sent. And that can, you know, you can put a stamp on us on it as that's revision one, 
And when they start to send a bunch of small things, maybe just point out to them like, hey, let's um, wait a sec till I finish this version and then send me a big group of all of your changes together. Might make it easier for you to handle, you know? Yeah. I think also maybe communicating with the client what what is good feedback and not so helpful feedback. Yes, that's you know a good I mean. point too. Yep. Uh, because, you know, things like, oh, can you change the colour to purple, like doesn't really mean much to me, you know. Like I want to know why, why do you want to change it to purple? Like are you feeling like it's not being communicated well enough or are you feeling like it's giving the wrong vibe or, you know, like the why behind those kind of things. And I kind of try to set that up by, you know, whenever I first ask the client for feedback, I sort of send them this little guide that says it's it's like a table with like useful feedback and not so useful feedback to sort of set them off on the right foot of the type of feedback I want. Because uh, I have had a few situations where, you know, the client's like, oh, you know, in, in this section A, like, can you try it with this image? And so I put that image in, send it to them. They're like, hmm, what about this image? So then I put image oh, no. B in. Yeah. What about this, you know? And and that's not a good position to be in, I don't think, because no. I think that's too micro-focused as well. Like, yeah. you know, I want to know, I, I don't want to know what particular image has to go in there. I want to know what the overall feeling or emotion should be in that section or what that section should be focusing on communicating. What should the, you know, drive or call to action be in that section and then it's my job to you know maybe for example choose the best image that helps you know achieve that so you know zooming out a little bit more I think uh, is also helpful but yeah I mean clients we need to explain this stuff to them because they're not designers like we are so it it is a bit of hand-holding along the way to make sure you get the right kind of feedback at the right time. Yeah and just don't be afraid I think to explain what their job is and what your job is you know it sounds like you're doing something great with sending them that table of feedback I'm sure that has stopped you know even though you said you're still getting some of that annoying stuff but I bet that that stopped a lot of it coming through some people are going to say annoying things no matter what but I'm sure that that table would have helped others well and also if they if they start sending through feedback like that then I can always refer to the guide you know I can always be like thank you like I appreciate it but you know, remember this guide I sent you, this is what would be really useful, you know, all friendly, of course, like I'm, you know, you got to be friendly along the way and understand that this could be the first time a client has ever worked with a designer. So make sure you make that a good experience for them. Yeah, that's really nice sentiment to have. I think we, uh, we've been talking for a while, but there's just one more thing I want to know about your design process. And that I think other people wonder as well, is that how did you learn it? Like, how did it come to be? Uh, <laughs> I think it's a lot of trial and error. And I also think my design process when I work with clients is very different from my design process when I'm just doing something for myself. Yeah, it makes sense. And when it comes to working with clients, there's a lot more that you need to consider. You know, it's your reputation on the line. You have to be professional and you know, stand stand up for yourself and represent your own values, but also provide a good experience for the client. And I mean, I've been freelancing for a few years now. And so it's a lot of trial and error in the start. Like when I think to my design process now, back to like two years ago, in terms of working with clients, it's completely different. And I think the key is to be transparent and sort of over communicate because the client isn't necessarily always going to absorb everything that you say so 
it might sound like you're repeating yourself, but to the client, it could be the first time they actually see that message. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's it changes a lot, and I think you just need to try and see and feel what works best for you. Uh, that's all the sort of advice that I have. Hope that hope that's a bit helpful. Yeah, my process, I think, is still evolving, and I think it'll always evolve, and that's a good thing. Like I've sort of brought it together from – well, first off, some things I learned at university, though, to be honest, not much, because can you imagine at university, we just got given a brief and then you just go do it. That seems yeah. crazy now. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but I think that my process has evolved from the people I've worked with over the years, especially in my early years of being a designer and, you know, just trying to soak up learning from the people around me and seeing how they work. If you are a young designer, you know, just starting out in the industry, that's one of the most valuable things you can do is be watching how people around you work and sort of like shadow them in a way and try out some of their techniques and what they do. Like that's how I first got started with this method of wireframing was a colleague was like, let's do this activity. This is what I do all the time. And to start with, I was like, Ugh, I hate this. I don't like drawing. But now it's an essential, essential part of my process. And it wouldn't have come about if I hadn't learned it from my colleague in that way. So be open to things changing and be open to ways of doing things better and evolving because there's always going to be new methods and new things you can do to, to improve. Perfect advice. I agree. There's just one tweet from Amy that I'd like to bring in or I guess ask you, Charlie, and she said, do you ever start being really excited about your project and then lose motivation shortly after starting? Yes, <laughs> is the simple answer. I think when you first start a new project, I don't know, it just feels really exciting and new and you've got all these ideas coming, but then you will sort of hit that block where you like go as far as the waterfall ideas have gone and maybe some of those ideas don't look as good down on the page as they did in your head. I don't know if, about you, Finn, but that happens to me all the time is that I have this idea for something, but when I actually put it into practice with the actual content, it just doesn't work at all. And that's when you can lose the excitement about it, I guess, because you're like, dang it, but I thought that was going to work. You know, I was relying on that. That was my idea. So then you've got to go back and think of new ways to do it. So it can be tough, but you've got to push through and, you know, do some of those techniques that we've talked about for idea generation and ways to, you know, get yourself feeling motivated again. I can't remember what episode that was. Do you remember, Femme? But we'll link it in the show notes anyway. We talked about motivation and how you can find it rather than waiting for it to come to you. How about you with, with this issue? Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely do. I think it's, uh, I think, you know, projects always sound super exciting up front and then, you know, you take them on and then as you uncover more, you sort of realise like, oh my gosh, there's so much more than I thought there was going to be. And, you know, you can kind of get a bit overwhelmed and lose that initial excitement but I think also you have to remember why you were excited about that project in the first place and while there can be things that come along that you know seem a bit daunting and might sort of hold you back from what you were initially excited about I think you got to think a little bit more big picture as well so I don't know while I do sometimes lose motivation in the middle of a project, I always kind of remember back to why I was excited in the first place and also sort of think ahead in terms of what's the outcome going to be. And that always gets me excited as well because I know that it's worth working towards. I think that is a really lovely note to end on. <laughs> so Charlie, where can people go to find us online? 
you can head to designlife.fm and there's been a redesign to our site lately that uh, Femke worked on, which is looking really cool. I really like it. So you should go and check that out and listen to all of our previous episodes. There's a lot on there now about all different topics, like we said at the start. Some about design, some more about side projects, some a bit more philosophical things. Hopefully there'll be something there that you enjoy. And you can also subscribe to our show on iTunes. Just search for Design Life and you'll find us there. And if you've been listening to the show for a while and are enjoying it, we would love it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. That really helps keep the show relevant on iTunes and encourages other people also to listen. Good chat, Fem. It was nice hearing about your process. Thanks, you too. See you next week. Bye. Bye.